So we're gonna do. Um, what else? What are? What are Calvados, we doing? Apple oh yeah. yeah. Here we are back on Liquid Gold for yet another episode of. Shots. 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 Anybody? Yes. Thank you for asking. Here we are. Back on Liquid Gold, uh, brought to you by We Own This Town. Shout out to our producer, Michael Eads, weownthistown.net. Thank Subscribe you, Michael. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Give us a rating. Give us a shout out. Fuck with us. Talk shit with us. Whatever you want. My name's Mike Wolf, along with my co host, Mr. Kenneth Dedman. How are you today, sir? Doing well, Mike. Guess How are what? You? Guess who I brought back in the studio? I see him. I'm staring him down. He's right back. Now. Our brother from another mother, Mr. Pat Halloran from Hello. Henrietta Red. Thank you for having me. Hey, again. thanks for coming back. Yeah, welcome. Always back, a pleasure. We had to bring him back because there's a slight chill in the air. The leaves start to fall. You reach for your jacket. You step out the door. The shadows are a little longer. And what do you reach for? Apple brandy. It's apple brandy season here on Liquid Gold. We are all fans. We are all passionate fans. Now, this is America, Jack. And <laughs> we love our yep. Laird's apple brandy. However, there happens to be a beautiful, nuanced, lovely product across the pond, Calvados, that we want to talk to. Pat Halloran is our, he's on salary here at Liquid Gold as our Calvados expert. Checks in the mail. I know you're a notary public. Don't don't worry. It's coming. I will Uh, put you under oath. (laughs) He'll put any of us under oath at any time. He's a notary public. I will depose every ass on this listening to this right now. I'll do it. (laughs) It's worth noting that. If you are, I'm not a, saying a goddamn thing. If you're, <laughs> if you're a human being or a wild animal, however, you know it's like, it's like that season where you want to watch Fantastic Mr. Fox, uh, and you need a notary public. You can go to the bar at Henrietta Red, have a cocktail, have a jello shot, throw back some oysters, and get your, your documents signed yeah. by a notary public. Our guest, our recurring guest, Mr. Pat Halloran. So this is great. We, thank we you love, for the notary plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag notary plug. I'll give, you, I'll give you two bucks off of each signature I get. <laughs> How much do uh, signatures like go for? Five to ten. Thank you. Yeah. Rubies. <laughs> Why are we here today, Mike? What are we doing? Yes. It's that time of year where whiskey makes a lot of sense. Age things make a lot of sense. Hot drinks start to nearly make sense. Now, I feel like, and I was lucky as a bartender uh, back in the Husk days where it seemed like a certain kind of guest would come in right as the chill started to happen and people would... I knew it was fall when someone asked about apple brandy or someone talked about brandy or talked about Calvados. It was like, well, here it is. The first person who asks for that spirit thus announces fall, winter, drinking season. You just did it, lady. You just did it, lady. She did, and I and I pointed it out to a guest one time. We had a nice little moment about it because it was like, you know, it was like October second, and somebody walks into the bar. It's a little bit chilly outside, and she says, "Do you have any apple brandy or Calvados?" And I was like, "God bless you. We're we're having a moment right now. So you don't even know." She's like because she sneezed. Phil of of fall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She orders a Jack Rose when her comes two weeks early. Totally, totally. I mean, she she was like a mother winter. She was like a fairy <laughs> from my dreams. Laird's Applejack Apple Brandy. Now we will point you towards the uh, Laird's Bottled and Bond, the oldest spirit in America. Uh, license now, spirit. License. So spirit. tax spirit. Yes. Distillery license number one. Numero uno. That is very important to point out and very special. 
Savoir <coughs> magazine pointed out in a uh, in a piece a few years back, the history of Laird's is really the story, the history of America. In 1698, Alexander Laird endured the perilous journey from his native Scotland to the New World with his new two new sons. They settled down for good in Colts Neck, a Monmouth County, New Jersey town where the rolling hills were green and the apple trees were plentiful. Now Laird, whom historians suspect made whiskey before, used this most abundant resource to make pure apple brandy. It became a family pursuit later on, and in and in later years, the Lairds became so skilled that a gentleman farmer named George Washington ever fucking heard of him wrote to them with a request for their recipe for their cider spirits. Years later, the family provided Washington's troops with apple brandy during the Revolutionary War. So, really cool story with this stuff. Now, what we have here is another product that Lairs makes. It's a seven and a half year aged mm-hmm. apple brandy. Pat, let's just let's just get into it. What do you love about apple brandy and uh, God? I mean, this time of year, what's not to love? It's, well, exactly. I mean, you know, I know that whiskey in the zeitgeist is the American spirit. But again, you know, Laird's was the story license. Number one, American apple brandy has a long rooted tradition in this country. And it's just so, I think it has all the qualities you like about whiskey with an added softer fruity quality that I think just brings the whole thing up an extra notch. And so like the seven and a half year, if not mistaken, is the same juice as what becomes the bonded, except Mm -hmm. it doesn't go through the bonding process. It comes out lower proof, but it's, Mm -hmm. 100% 100% apples aged for seven and a half years, and it's just so round and gentle, and you get like all these like beautiful, but- like buttery pastry notes from it, and just this rich apple flavor that is not cloying, that is not too thin or watery, that doesn't. I mean, like some people don't like apple, and like apples, are, I'm, I'm kind of ambivalent on apples as a fruit. I, I'll eat them, but I don't mm-hmm. lose my mind over them. Mm-hmm. But there's something about when apples are fermented and distilled that just really i think is their best expression as a fruit Mm -hmm. yeah i think one thing that's that really stands out about laird's the bottled and bond version but also the seven and a half year age that we have here in our glass that we are tasting as the first chill blows in through the window here in wedgwood houston is the aroma Mm -hmm. it's pure apple yeah it's incredible it's like apple and butter and maybe some herbs but it is so pure apple and fall it's amazing. Well, it's a testament to like leftover particulate in the distilling process. Um, sometimes, you know, like you drink like a, or you smell like a corn whiskey, which does have like those corny, <coughs> those corny flavors that I don't really necessarily think are like that stellar. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love mellow corn though. You got a real soft spot in my heart for mellow yeah, corn. Yeah, I like mellow corn too. Um, Great label. Let's be honest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> one of the best. Pretty it's dope. A, it's a label yeah. that looked at the color wheel and said, fuck that. I got this. That's one of like one of the boozes that I like, <laughs> I like to have at the bar, but I don't like to display because the folks that see it, you know, yeah, you're not going to charge corn. more than like $6 yeah. for poor mellow corn. That just blows my like price per ticket up. So like <laughs> I like having it around, but I don't like displaying it. Sure. Unlike Laird's apple brandy. I love displaying it. I love I love sharing it because it's really just like a cocktail in a glass like you don't really have to really fuck with it that much no i mean i think like this is also like in particular is like it's a little sweet not cloying by any means this distillate and it has all those nice like cinnamon and clove and nutmeggy things in the aging it's not certainly too distant from an old-fashioned in and of itself 
Yeah, sure. that's what I'm saying. Sure. I've spent so many, like, wasted so much time turning, like, a rye old-fashioned into it's something a, that tastes like apple layer. brandy. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think people realize the purity of the product and the depth of this product. Distillery license number one. That's really fascinating. It's pure apple on the nose and the finish of the of the taste of everything. You get the spice. And like we're talking about, it is like a cocktail in a glass. It's really fascinating. And as you were saying, Mike, it is deeply rooted in like American, uniquely North American um, history. Not that it's uniquely American, of course, because it's Calvados um, from like the Bay of Biscay or the Normandy region of, of France. It's like pioneered this market, but... In the United in the United States, it's uniquely American because it actually brought about like the whiskey rebellion out in uh, Western Pennsylvania, as said George Washington was was trying to figure out a way to tax tax alcohol production. They went after Alexander Hamilton. Actually, went out after a shitload of farmers who were growing corn on the on the uh, on the uh, what do you call it? The like, DL, as the kids say. <laughs> Well, they weren't doing it on the DL. The, the government, upper, the upper thirteen. I don't the, know. The government was not there, and they were being forced to pay taxes on stuff that they were like just basically preserving. They were growing a lot of corn. They didn't have any any corn to sell. Sure. So they're just making whiskey, and the government wanted to tax that with, while they were dealing with like Native American raids. But yeah, the larger houses of, of on the west on the East Coast were were starting to start these. Dis- starting to open these distilleries under the guise of taxation. George Washington, one of them, but they wanted to either harness, harness all of these frontier farmers uh, product in to their realm or tax them out of business, which kind of like set us up for the upcoming uh, moonshine, moonshine craze uh, years, years, hundreds of years later. Yeah. Sorry the... to get off subject, boys. One thing that's important to note about Laird's is the, it's like an American tale of resilience. So they went through a lot of changes throughout the 1800s. They made it through prohibition. They had a fire in the mid 1800s that burned down the distillery. They rebuilt, they increased production. They made it through that whole thing. During World War II, they ceased production and made dried apples and pectin to help survive the war effort. And there's something from the Savoir article where they mentioned in the mid-70s, as Monmouth County's apple orchards were swallowed up by development, the Laird family, which still owns the company, which is amazing, began sourcing their apples from Virginia's fertile Shenandoah Valley and moved their production to a facility in nearby North Garden. They blended their apple brandy and neutral grain spirits to make their most popular product, Applejack. And they remained afloat during the days of martinis and gin and tonics. Basically, what happened is I equate it to something else that's like uniquely American and survived um, awkward periods of awkward periods of time of drinking tiki. It survived weird periods in the seventies, eighties, and nineties to emerge in the cocktail revival. You know, after two thousand three or two thousand four or two thousand, whatever you want to say. And like we talked to, to Pat about on a previous episode of the show where we talked about his Jack Rose Jello shot, which we loved. Oh, yeah, that was we loved it. And we talked about the cocktail, the Jack Rose. It's really one of those drinks that stood the test of time. Mm-hmm. And to revisit, we could say apple brandy, lime, grenadine, maybe a touch of Angostura. You can sub the lime for lemon. You can do a mixture, either one. We talked about that on a previous episode. You can throw an egg white in there. But, oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. 
But um, another thing about the Jack Rose, it really rose in popularity. It was one of those drinks that would appear on menus out of nowhere. And people are like, what is this drink? And people are like, well, it's one of the classics from 100 years ago that you need to try. And it was just one of those drinks. And so I think that really rescued Laird's from eventual obscurity where it was headed. One of those lists is how I had my first Jack Rose. Uh, Talk when, to I, me. when I was like, before I was bartending regularly, uh, Bobby Hugel's Bar in Houston Anvil, as a part of their training regimen, has a list of 100 cocktails everyone should try. And to my understanding, as you go through the training process at Anvil, which is notoriously very rigorous, mm. and, uh, I think on your first live shift, you have to make each of those drinks. And the first time someone orders it from you, it's a dollar to like encourage your friends to come in and, you know, so you can sorry, move mm. through the list. Mm hmm. And my friends had found this list just published somewhere, and they were like, hey, you like cocktails, we should do this for fun. And so we made, like, they were living in Virginia, and I was in Memphis, so anytime we were all together, which it took like two years to do this, mm -hmm. we made 99 of the drinks and then went to Anvil for our last drink, which was the last word. But that was the first time I had Jack, I would have probably never heard of the drink had I not been, like, plowing through this list, and was like, what the hell is a Jack Rose? And it, oh, that's great. I took a sip and was like, this is my favorite thing from this whole list so far. Yeah. And remains probably today my favorite cocktail. Yeah, what's not to like about it? Yeah, it's like three ingredient cocktails are coming back, mm -hmm. or you know, I don't know, I don't know if they're coming back or if they've always been here, or um, you could you could probably make the argument for either way. But you and I were talking about a really cool apple brandy cocktail before we came in today, Holy Trinity, which has been used for different cocktails. Yeah, the Holy Trinity I know is apple brandy whiskey carpano okay yeah so the one i know is carpano fernet and rye yeah rye maybe is it rye i don't mm. know one one recipe we can share <laughs> one easy way to enjoy uh lairds and it. apple brandy in general you can do lairds rye whiskey and amaro now you could also sub fernet you could sub an amaro you could do uh, equal parts Amaro and Vermouth. So you could do like one ounce apple brandy, the Laird's, the bottled and the bottled and bond, or the uh, like we have here, the seven and a half year aged, which is beautiful as well. Uh, you could do an ounce of rye whiskey. You could do half ounce of a nice sweet Vermouth, like Dolan, Carpano, Coqui Torino, and you could also do say a half <coughs> ounce of a of a really approachable Amaro, like Averna or something like that. Now, you can also make Manhattan variations with the apple brandy using two ounces of apple brandy, uh, say half ounce to an ounce of a sweet vermouth, maybe some bitters, stir that up. You can use apple brandy in a hot toddy. There's so many uses for it. I would go like very bitter on sweet vermouth with yeah. apple brandy, like Punta Mez, maybe, maybe a full like Punta Mez, maybe not like a split mm. Punta Mez pour. I think apple brandy, depending, depending on the brand. Can fucking handle Punta Mez. Sure. sure. At, the, at the time of this recording, uh, there's a drink on the menu at Henry Red that is very popular called a Night Manager, and it's an ounce of Old Forester and then a half ounce each of Laird's and Chenar. Mm. And Which Old Forester? Signature. Sorry, the Bonded. Sure. Uh, and then three quarter lemon and half honey. So it's somewhere in between a Gold Rush and an American trilogy mm. with a little bit of Chenar. Because I think Chenar mm. and Apple Brandy in particular work very well together. And uh, that drink's super popular and just very delicious and crushable. It's a really nice oh, way to like great. ease people into apple brandy if they're like kind of tiptoeing, scared whiskey drinkers who associate brandy with like old men and you know or northerners, or, yeah. yeah, or northerners, yeah. That's great to know. So if you do have that bottle of Chinar sitting around your home bar, or you're visiting your corner bar, and they've got a little bit, 
know that that can be used in some of these apple brandy cocktails, which leads us to another topic that we need to get into here across the pond in France. I know you're a huge fan. You've collected some over the years, Calvados. Um, Kenneth and I have been making cocktails with Calvados for a long time. We use the Bouillard a lot mm-hmm. at Husk, Bouillard's which great. is great. Yeah. And but you're a big fan of Calvados. How I did am. you get into that that world? So I mean, like I said, the first time I had had apple brandy at all, I think was through a Jack Rose. And just being who I am, I started a deep dive in learning about apple brandies, and I had you know read about Calvados. And I think I oh actually well no because one of the other drinks on that list was the Widow's Kiss. So I had Calvados through that. Oh man, and such a good drink. Yeah. We'll give that recipe in just a minute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and man. so so I, I made a Widow's Kiss through this Anvil list and try. I think like I forget what Calvados we bought. It was probably Ballard or like Chafacore, You know, like one of the like mixable Calvados that's in the market. Um, I remember trying them side by side and just like. You know, I love Laird's, but it's Laird's Bonded and a Calvados are two very different experiences of the same thing being distilled apples. Like Laird's is higher proof and it's frequently younger or which is not a problem. It's just like it's a different, like more like rough and tumble nature, yeah. whereas Calvados. It's like a camping drink yeah. as opposed to maybe something you'd have in yeah. a nice yeah. glass. Most Calvados that you get in the United States is a little bit more nuanced. Yeah, it's and... softer. It's typically lower proof. It's in the 80s. It's it, kind of rare even to find Calvados in the 90s, to be honest. Well, how much, what was this? It's like an old uh, Western. You know, it's like, I'll take in yeah. a clean glass. Proof. Make yeah, sure the exactly. glass is clean. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, you would... tend to see vintages in Calvados, which you don't see that often in American apple brandy. Right. Um, if ever. If ever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Calvados... The apples are different, right? So, like, the, the tradition of cider making in the Normandy and Basque regions tends to those, like, funky farmhousey apples. So, like, you know, it's, I think, it's, you know, like, I think legally to be AOC Calvados, it has to be, like, 70% bittersweet or bitter and then bittersweet and 20 to 30% bitter and 10% can be whatever else if you... Yeah, and they'll, they'll use completely inedible apples yeah, and take I mean, pride in it. It's almost like making perfume. Across yeah. the board, I think, yeah. they're, they're mostly all... Inedible. Yeah, they're all like like crab apples, deeply unpleasant. Yeah, cider apples, and Mm -hmm. you know there are hundreds, if not thousands, of varieties Mm -hmm. that they use. Yeah, and you know I just so like I you know I probably had a widow's kiss, and then like I liked I liked them both, and I saw their value in both, and I love layers. I will never if someone's like, hey, do you want to have some layers? I won't be like, I'm just not feeling it. I'm always feeling it. (laughs) They're like, I just mowed the lawn, but okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, I'll be like, oh. I'm going to watch Star Trek with my cat. Time to find some Lairds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nice. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> but Calvados is just, there's just something about the the texture. Like, because they are funkier, more like bitter cider apples, and those ciders tend to be a little more reflective of terroir, you get a little more character that American soil can't and doesn't produce. And, yeah, I just really, like, fell head over heels in the fact that a lot like gin, while being roughly the same, very few Calvados' taste the same you know mm-hmm. you'll find some with very different like aging notes and different levels of like farmhouse and stuff like that because some are yeah. some are weird yeah and some you, you also and have like a completely different like barreling system yes in, yeah, in and the different, region, different oak like, too completely mm-hmm. different oak yeah and they uh, some of those makers distillers and drinkers disagree on what's better you know, column still, pot still. Pot still yeah. And so some people say, well, I like the vibrancy and the freshness of the column still. And then some people say, well, I like the farmhouse, danky, basement, attic vibes of a pot still. Mm-hmm. And so, and some people blend those together and there's all these, all these things that happen. Yeah. Um, like, within Calvados, you know, there are people who like will only drink Pai Doge Calvados because they like that Alembic pot still mm-hmm. thing. 
but I just love all of them. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think every, every, all, they all have a place. Yeah. Yeah. And so there is an amazing, like you mentioned, the widow's kiss, which mm-hmm. we all love. It's a very special drink. And this is the kind of drink that you can base so many cocktails on and you can expand on, uh, that we've, we did it practically every year at Husk around fall time, winter time, we would make a cocktail and it's basically a touch of Angostura bitters, maybe an ounce of yellow chartreuse, maybe an ounce or less of Benedictine, and then say an ounce to an ounce and a half to two ounces, even if you want to booze bomb and go heavy, of Calvados. Mm-hmm. And you get the Calvados and the yellow chartreuse and the Benedictine, and it's just like you're tasting an entire country, you're tasting an entire religion. <laughs> <laughs> just Catholicism in the glass. Literally. <laughs> Right, uh, and it is the monastic lifestyle. Right, in, it's in a, a monastic cocktail. Right. Yeah, I think we did. I think one of the drinks that we did so was pious. called. I think one of the drinks we did was called a, a monastic trio, right, right. which is a that Alice, was, that Alice, was it. Alice Coltrane album, mm-hmm. and so it was just it was perfect. But it's special stuff, and you happen to bring one of the more special bottles that we have had on the show. So tell us about yeah, it. Yeah, what, what is this, brought. dude? All right, so... What, what is this You saw my amazing. face when I tasted it. You're, I did. It fucking blew my mind just now. So I found this... Uh, I'm going to take the very last drop of this. I found yeah. this in a shop in Brooklyn. It is a 1976 Michel Loward. Michel Loward is one of the longer tenured producers still. They're, they're in their... Sixth or seventh generation. Uh, they are yeah. not quite in the Pytos region. They're a little bit north of it. And I just, I bought this blindly. Because like, yes, I will buy this 1976 Calvados. Of course I will do that. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I don't need to eat this week. And um, <laughs> I have hot dogs. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's been a, kind of a special occasion thing for me. You know, like I've opened it when friends have had their first child and Whoa. stuff like that. And since mm-hmm. it was near the end, I thought this was as good a place as any to share it. But it's one of Beautiful. my favorite things that i've ever drank mm. i think it's like the perfect example of what a great vintage calvados can be i think michelle Ward in general mostly only releases as vintages they might have like a like a, a fiend or a uh trois de trois, but i don't think they do mm-hmm. um yeah wow so super it's, special. it's one of my favorite bottles and since it was near the end i thought i'd share it with you guys yeah thank you so much Dude, this Thank is you insane guys. Oh, there's actually like wow. a weird like i don't know what it like is there Eighty proof it almost feels like there's like an acidity to it that yeah. So I I can't figure that out, but there is definitely like a sharpness, like a malic acid or or citric acid sort of thing. But I think it's I think it's just it's the like the apples and the quality of the distillate. Right, it's, it's right. ridiculous. It's like you taste the the um, process of what the barrel did to things, mm-hmm. but the original distillate was so powerful that it hangs. Yeah, that it hangs with whatever happened to it over yeah. time. I mean, I think it tastes like um, it tastes like an apple pie to me. Yeah, like you get strong nutmeg and cinnamon and butter, very strong. Wow, or maybe an apple galette is more appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's uh-huh. better. Yeah, like a like I was saying, eighty proof. Mm-hmm. That's insane. This is almost because uh, it, it tastes it tastes like it's bib status. It's definitely yeah. The alcohol yeah. perception is a lot higher than you would think for something that's eighty percent. Do we hmm. know how long it was aged? I no, I couldn't find. And that it. could be part, you know, like some of that age in the bottle. I don't know. Yeah, that's possible um, too. I mean, but it's interesting that it's inverted nearly from the Lairds, where in the Lairds you taste, you smell so much apple on the nose, and then you taste some of the spice, 
and things like that. But you also taste a kind of vibrancy mm-hmm. in the Lairds. And in this, it's like you smell basement and attic and all these different kind of right. weird funky notes and things like that. But then when you taste it, you're right. It's like a it's like a it's like butter spread on apple pie. Yeah, I think it's like, crazy. I think to the nose, it kind of just smells generically like a brandy. I don't think it automatically registers in my nose as apple. But then when you taste it, it is just such an intensely concentrated apple bomb. I mean, sure. like, and it lingers as I'm talking to you and, like, I feel oxygen, like, hitting my tongue. It, like, it get more and more of that, like, almost crispness from mm-hmm. the apple. Mm-hmm. I feel oh. like across the board, American, English, French, apple brandies have, like, a viscosity to them. I, I'm not sure, like, pectin can really travel as a vapor, per se, but, yeah, like, so. they, they all seem to have a pectin-esque viscosity to them and i think that's probably just like flavor association with Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. with the actual um like waxiness of of pectin itself so i can't find the age i've been looking i didn't mean to be rude yeah i I assume it's at least probably three years it's at least a what a beautiful bottle of booze there's like a really pleasant smokiness that kind of hangs around you know i think and i think this is a prime example of like if you've had a lot of normandy ciders you can taste that like grassy earthy funkiness that you can see like, where it gets close to that yeah yeah and you can like see the i can i can kind of taste the lineage yeah. of that like perhaps perhaps like a hint of band-aid yeah not, there's a little bit of band-aid much. it's yeah and like and there are some very band-aid-y ciders and i Certainly. love them but they are divisive yeah yeah it's like andy wedge used to say it uh, not for like, everybody smells like feet yeah, yeah. <laughs> not um, for everybody but there's a lot of craft to these products and that you taste you taste centuries <laughs> of craft that went into these things because there is a sort of funky earth thing that's going on that you smell but then when you taste things there's a purity to them and it's fascinating yeah it's great they were i mean they were growing these these apples in the same region way way before they even knew how to distill right way before some of these some of these uh french apple brandies you can trace back to the seventh century Mm -hmm. Um, certainly they go way back I mean, so, the O.R. family was distilling before Calvados even had an AOC protection. They didn't get one until the almost the end of the Second World War. It was 1942 before Calvados got an AOC. Yeah, pretty crazy. Which is kind of, yeah, it's way, that's wild to think about. Yeah. It's, oh, it only took 13, <laughs> 1,300 years. Yeah. <laughs> it's a study in patience, drinking Calvados. And Calvados had a boom after the war because so much grape production was retrofitted for wartime use. And then apples, like you know, we're left kind of alone. Mm-hmm. And so there was mm-hmm. a lot of Calvados while Brandy itself was like struggling to pick back up. It also wasn't affected by phylloxera. Right. Right. Now that was one of the things film. they talk about that, that really helped uh, the market for it, mm-hmm. you know, or the, you know, it helped it grow Yeah, in that time where it, uh, I saw a few articles where it said how it just exploded for a while there during the phylloxera epidemic. Yeah, it was, so. How could it not? There was nothing else. Yeah, there was, there was yeah, really yeah. nothing else. We're fucking thirsty and we're angry. Yeah. <laughs> we need something to drink. Uh, there's, there's a, and I tried to find... Like, Don't throw that apple. <laughs> <laughs> throw it in the pile. <laughs> I tried to find a bottle somewhere in the city and I don't even know if there's one in the market, but there's a particular subsect of Calvados called um, Defrontero. Oh god, I'm gonna fuck this up. I'm gonna look it That's up. Right. I, anyway. But, it, but it's a, it's a, it's a Calvados that typically has a lot of pear in it as well as opposed to just apple and they right. are very cool yeah and wild. yeah and pear pear is a very common ingredient in a lot of these calvados mm-hmm. that that you might find um 
yeah, yeah we don't of clear, we don't want to dis- speaking dispel- of clear creek they have a really great oh they have pear my brandy. favorite pear brandy yeah clear creek currently has bottles on the trees and the <laughs> bottles have been growing at uh, pears inside of them that they will then use to fill with their pear brandy which is one of the greatest things in the spirits world that even happens in america mm-hmm. uh so shout out to those guys and their pear brandy they did a great job on that. Mm-hmm. Dom Fronte. That's what it's called. D-O-M-F-R-O-N. Dom Fronte? Dom Fronte. D-O-M-F-R-O-N-T-A-I-S. Whereas some, like a lot of Calvados's will have a small amount of pears. Uh, I think a Dom Fronte has to have like a minimum of 25 or 30%. So like the oh. pear element is decidedly more there. Mm-hmm. And That's them, great. And they're, yeah, it's a really cool experience. Because like most, if there is pear in a lot of Calvados's, it doesn't get labeled necessarily because it doesn't legally have to, I think, mm-hmm. at a certain point. Right. Mm-hmm. Or up to a certain percentage. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, people who want Dom Fronte have to, like, seek it out. And it's a very unique experience cool. in and of itself. That's super cool. cool. I always like, like, kind of like the chalky, like, semi-chalkiness of, of like, a pear. Yeah. Pear Every pear brandy I have had comes pretty close to simulating the mealy texture of biting into a pear. And I don't really understand how that works. Yeah. It's like the vibrancy versus the process of the whole thing. Yeah. Which is interesting. We talk about dist- distilling things. Well, cheers, you guys. This has yeah, been a great cheers. episode of this Shots. Thank you so much. Uh, a beautiful apple brandy and Calvados-focused episode today. We encourage you to experiment with these spirits. And if you have any questions, hit us up at liquidgold underscore pod on our Instagram. Send us a DM. Send us a DM. Try say, to talk shit. I don't care. Talk some shit. Say, I got this bottle that you guys talked about. I don't know what to do with it. Well, you might say, well, drink it. That's what I was saying. Or drink it, dummy. (laughs) It's fall. Make a Manhattan with it. (laughs) Put on your corduroy coat and make a Manhattan with it. Darn it. Um, That's your assignment. Get a corduroy coat. (laughs) Yep. And send a letter to your old friend you haven't talked to in a while. As always, right here on Liquid Gold, brought to you by We Own This Town, weownthistown.net. Thank you, Michael. From my co-host, Mr. Kenneth Dedman. Yep. My name's Mike Wolf, and we thank you to Pat Halloran for bringing us such Pat. a special bottle of Calvados and for killing it at Henrietta Red. I'm sure he's got a widow's kiss jello shot down the road at some point. You might have to wait for it. Hope or you so. might just have to wait and wait and it wait. It is a and great November, December <laughs> Just keep coming back. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll see you next time on a future episode of Shots and or Shots. Liquid Gold. Thank, thank you, you for so much. Me. We'll see you next time. Later, Tater. <laughs>